because I was telling Ethel this morning, not only have we been able to pay all of our bills, we've been able to pay off some of our bills. You can turn over in your Bibles to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, there was a story of a woman who was driving just outside of Denver. And a terrible snowstorm had come up. You know what Denver can be like as far as snowstorms are concerned. Yeah. And a terrible snowstorm was up and she's driving. She's trying to get back into town. And uh, it was just really, really tough to drive on the road. She found a snow, a snow plow and she decided to get behind the snow plow and just follow it. And so she did. She got behind the snow plow and she just followed the snow plow. And, uh, you know, sometimes the snow that come off the snow plow would just really be heavy and would hit her on the windshield because of the wind and stuff. But she stayed with it. She stayed right behind that snow plow, just following on through because at least then, you know, the road is clear. And after a while, the snow plow stopped. Got, the guy got out of his truck and he um, went back to the woman. He says, where are you going? And she said, I'm trying to get into, the, into town in Denver. He says, well, you're not going to get there following me. I'm plowing the parking lot. <laughs> Boy, sometimes we can get lost and just not get where we want to go. Isn't, it? Isn't that the way that it is? Well, we're looking at some lost things here today. Last week we were looking at King Asa and how King Asa got bitter. He got mad at some things. He was following God, doing real good for all those, all those years. But then all of a sudden he got bitter because he didn't like what God did. And he didn't like uh, that he came up with a solution and God didn't like it and rebuked him for it. And he got mad and got bitter for the rest of his life and just didn't hear anything that God had to say. And his rest of his life didn't end as well as he had started. You compare that to King David... King David, of course, he got uh, off track as well. But God came to him with a prophet and rebuked him. And what did King David do? I have sinned. He immediately repented. It is so much better that when God rebukes us on a thing, when God corrects us through His Word or through someone else or however it is that we get corrected, that we just listen. Yes, I have sinned. Yes, yes, I understand. I shouldn't have done that. Because then we stay on the grateful, thankful side. As soon as we get over to that spot, it says, how dare you correct me? How dare you? How dare the Word of God speak that to me? How dare the Holy Spirit speak that to me? Then we're, we get out of that, um, that uh, thankful mode. We get out of that gratefulness and we get into trouble. And we start saying, I don't deserve that. I should have better than that. Look at what I've done. Look at what's going on with me. That shouldn't be going on. And all once we do that, we start closing our heart. We get just like King Asa did and we got a closed heart to hearing the things that God wants to say to us. And that's not going to help us out. Well, way back in the beginning of this series, we talked about some of the qualities of an unthankful person. Anybody remember what those were? We said an unthankful or ungrateful person focused on what is lacking. Not a good thing to be doing. They focus on what others have not done. They focus on what could be better. They focus on what they've earned. They feel angry and cheated. Ungrateful, unthankful people feel angry and cheated. They find themselves left out. Way too often they find themselves left out. These are ungrateful, unthankful people. But you find a thankful person and they're just not focused on these things. And it's not that they don't have the same things happen in their life. They're just not focused on it. I, said, I may be lacking some things, but I'm not focused on that. Thank God I have what I have. Thank you, Father, for the house that I have. Thank you for the car that I have. Thank you for the job that I have. Thank you for the spouse that I have. Thank you for the kids that I have. Thank you for the cats that I don't have. And just be grateful. Just, oh, thank you, Father God, for the things that you've blessed me with. And we're just, just stay on that side. And, you know, the temptation gets there to begin to look over the stuff. I don't have this. People don't do this for me. I haven't received this yet. And as soon as we get over into that unthankful area, the devil's always pulling. He's trying to get us over. The enemy's trying to pull us over to that because as soon as we get over there, we are prime soil for sin to grow. Just like Eve was in the garden and so many other examples that we have looked at. We've got to make sure that we stay out of those areas. Stay in the area of being thankful. We looked at this, this before, but if I am not thankful, I am unthankful. You're either a thankful person or you're an unthankful person. No middle ground. That's how it is. Unthankful, unthankfulness draws us to the dark side. Remember we talked about that before. Unthankfulness draws us to the dark side. 
Don't get on the dark side. Stay on the light. Stay in the light. Thankfulness keeps us in the light. That's where we want to be. Stay in the light. Oh, much better place to be there. Unthankfulness draws us to the dark side. We get into that place of what I deserve, what others others lack, what others haven't done for me, what God should do, what I have done. God, I've done this. Remember Elijah? I've been faithful. I alone am left. What's he doing? He's not in thankful anymore, is he? He's looking at God and says, you should be doing this for me. He's got into the ungrateful side. Even Elijah can get over there. <laughs> Certainly we can as well. We've got to make sure that we stay out of that spot. But we're going to look over here at Luke chapter 15. And just to review these, these are actually three parables that come together. And sometimes we pull them apart and miss the, the goal of it. So we're just going to go back over and, and just read over. Well, we're not going to read over the first two. We're just going to summarize for it. If you want to read over it, you can go back there and take a look at that. But we had first off the parable of the lost sheep. That sheep sometimes can wander off. You know why sheep wander off? They get curious. They think something's better over here. Or they're just eating grass and just keep following the grass. There's all kinds of ways that sheep can get lost. They don't necessarily intentionally try and get lost, but they sometimes just wander off. And when we go through the parable of the lost sheep, what happens with the shepherd? The shepherd goes after the sheep, right? He goes looking for the sheep. The sheep has wandered off. So the shepherd goes out there and looks for it. Then we have the, the lost coin. Word of God said in verse 8, Or a, what woman having ten silver coins? Now I have a note in my margin that if a woman who has ten silver coins, these particular coins, this is a married woman. And that they put these ten coins around their neck. And they wore these. This is uh, something they wore as a, as a married woman. In fact, I didn't know that, but that's, that's what my margin tells me. So I trust that they, they know what, the, what they're saying. But that one of them fell off. Now, was there any fault of the coin that it got lost? It really wasn't any fault of the woman either. But somehow, uh, you know, you didn't check out the necklace to see something was loose or whatever. But somehow, one of the coins fell off. Or somehow, she got one of these coins that was missing. It was lost. And we've talked about this before. How the in this one, the woman goes looking for it. And she grabs a lamp. What's the lamp representing the Word of God? The Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. He's our, he's our light. And so they grab the Holy Spirit and the woman goes looking and this is how the Holy Spirit and the church team up to find the lost. This is a lost one. This is probably one who came into the church, had hung around for a little while, then just sort of uh, through no fault of anyone, but some, somehow carelessly, maybe they got offended, maybe they got hurt and they wandered off. And they got lost. And they went out and they looked for it. But it was a team effort between the lamp, the Holy Spirit, and the woman. And they go out there to look for that, to get that tenth coin to make that uh, necklace complete again. And then we come to the parable of the lost son. And this one stands apart in this in that the father of the son does not go and look for the son. In the first parable, the shepherd looked for the sheep. In the second parable, the woman searched for the coin. In the third parable, the father waited And that marks the difference. This one is a little bit different than the other one. So if you hadn't been here when we taught on the parables before, we spent more time on it before, but that will catch you up and get you some some of the uh, high points of that. Then he said, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. Now this son thought pretty highly of himself, didn't he? How would you like to come to your dad and say, Dad, look, you're going to die sometime. How about if you give me what's mine now? <laughs> this is great, isn't it? <laughs> I can enjoy it better now. I'd rather just leave you and take the inheritance that I have and just go my way. Well, the father does it. And he divides the whole thing in two and half he gives to the younger son and the rest of it is belonging to the older son. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. 
So apparently the arrangement that he had with these folks to watch the swine and to feed them was not for food. So he must have had shelter out of it. Probably had a place that he could stay, but they weren't necessarily going to feed him. Yeah, you can stay there, but you just got to feed the pigs. But uh, don't eat their stuff. You got to go find your own food. Doesn't sound like a great arrangement, but I guess if you're that bad off, anything sounded better. And he would certainly... Well, verse 17. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. So we understand that the father does not go and search for the son, does he? He stays right there at home. But what is the father doing? Always watching, looking to see when the son might come home. Oh, I wonder if today he'll come home. And they're always looking. And when he does, he welcomes them in. Oh, good. The son's home. He doesn't sit over there and say, Now, son, you did this wrong. 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 He didn't do all that. He just welcomed them on home. I don't think that's quite the welcome the son was was thinking. And it certainly wasn't the welcome that the son thought he deserved. Because he said, I am not worthy to be called your son. I'm not worthy to be called your son. I should just be a, a hired servant. That'll be good enough for me. Just let me be a hired servant. Well, and the lost son, the lost son deliberately and willfully went against the father's will and became lost, didn't he? This is different from the other ones. In the other ones, the uh, lost sheep strayed away on its own, didn't it? Nothing that the shepherd did that caused that sheep to go away. The, the, the sheep just wandered away. A coin can either know it's lost nor get itself back, can it? A coin is just a coin. It's You lose the coin, you better go find it. It's not coming back to you. But here the son willfully and deliberately walked off. And willfully and deliberately came back. There is a difference in the way that God handles the lost of those that are mature and those that are immature. Those that are immature, God will chase after. But when you reach a certain point of maturity, God says, you need to come back on your own. And I'll welcome you when you do. But you need to come back on your own. That's the difference between these three parables. One of the differences between these three parables. So he went to a far land, far from the Father, far from the Father's influence, and far from the Father's watchful eye, didn't he? In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17, it says, Therefore I say, I say, this I say therefore, and testify the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the what? Futility of his mind. Didn't it say the Son, then when he came to his mind? When you walk away from the Father, when you get out of fellowship with the Father, you're basically out of your mind. That's how the Word of God looks at it. You've lost your mind. When the son came back, came to his mind, he decided, you know what? It's better for them over there, the servants. I'll go back there and be one of them. Having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. When we head in this direction and we walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk, we walk in the way of the lost, our understanding becomes darkened. Our heart becomes hardened We don't receive the things that we should receive. We don't understand the things that we should receive, that we should understand. And two plus two doesn't seem to equal four anymore. We come up with all kinds of other answers. Our understanding is darkened. Our hearts are darkened. We don't see things the way that we should. That's what Ephesians is talking about. That's what this son is at. He doesn't see things. How many of you would have thought, well, why didn't you just figure that out before? Why do you have to slop around with the pigs and and be so hungry that you like to eat what the pigs are eating. How many of you have ever been so hungry that you want to eat the slop that the pigs are eating? I haven't been that hungry. Eat the slop. I mean, you wouldn't eat what you feed your dog sometime, would you? Yeah. I mean, dog food, you know, you pay money for it. and That's one thing. I wouldn't eat that either. <laughs> dog food's no good. But, uh, but there's stuff that falls on the floor. There's sometimes, you know, people, they scrape all the leftovers on a plate and they put it all into one thing and then they give it to the dog and the dog's happy. Dog is still, you can't do that with cats. 
But if you have dogs, you can do it with dogs. You can feed the dogs and the dogs will eat that up and they'll gobble up and look for more. you have any more of that? And you're looking at that and says, oh, ew, I mean the cranberries are mixed in with the corn and the, ah, oh, that's awful. Oh. You're thinking that's terrible, but it, dog just eats it right on up. But here's, these are pigs. Pigs are even worse than dogs. They'll eat all kinds of stuff. They'll eat stuff that you wouldn't even think was edible. Just chump it right on down. So then he came to himself. He's wandering from his father. Wandering from the father is just like being out of his mind. That's what the Word of God says. Just like being out of his mind. For us to wander from the father's house, we'd have to be out of our mind, wouldn't we? But we can get that way and then our understanding gets to be darkened. How does it happen? Because we become unthankful about things in our life. I'm not thankful for the miracles that God has done for me. I'm looking at miracles that other people have and they're greater. I'm not thankful for the friends that I have. I look at the friends that other people have and they have more. I'm not thankful for the house that I have. I look at somebody else's house and theirs is bigger. I'm not thankful for the car that I have. I look at somebody else's car and theirs is newer. I begin to compare myself. But I'm more diligent. I'm more faithful. I've served God longer. Why don't I have a newer car? Why don't I have a bigger house? Why don't I have a better this? As soon as he pulls us into that, we have become ungrateful. We're not thanking God anymore for what he has and we are fertile ground for all kinds of seeds. And this is where our mind becomes darkened because the wrong stuff is growing. We've got to keep it out. Well, we see from the Son when He came on back to the Father that repentance, not perfection, restores us to our former position. The Father was not looking for Him to become perfect and then come on home. The Father just looked for Him to repent. And that's what He did. Father, I have sinned against You and against Heaven. I am no longer fit to be called Your Son. Just make me a hired servant. He repented. And He, he came on back. I am no longer, verse 19, I am no longer worthy to be called Your Son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight no longer worthy to be called your son. Just like he rehearsed it. Just like he rehearsed it. A whole lot better to rehearse stuff like that. How many times have you rehearsed stuff in the unthankful area? Somebody has done something to you and you thought, thought you deserved better. How many times have you rehearsed what you're going to say to them? Go over in your mind. Oh, I'm going to, when I get to that person, I'm going to say this. And I'm going to let them know it's this way. And they should have done. Don't you rehearse that over and over in your mind? He rehearsed it over and over in his mind, his repentance. Boy, it's a whole lot better to do that, isn't it? Than to rehearse how you're going to judge them. How you're going to pronounce something on them. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fatted calf here and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive. And he was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Now there's a whole lot of debate, of course, on eternal security. You know, once saved, always saved and all that sort of stuff. And you've all heard my opinions on that and where I stand on it. And I look at it, this, this scripture as simply this way. The son was what? He was still a son, wasn't he? My son was dead. My son was lost. He says that too. But he first off says, my son was dead. Does that sound like a born again person to you? It doesn't sound like one to me either. My son was dead is now alive. So apparently he can come back. And the son came back. He was still called him his son, but he called him dead. He was lost, but now he's found. Let's celebrate. And he doesn't get into all the things now you need to go through and you need to repent of all the stuff he did. So let's start with the first day. What did you do on the first day? He doesn't go through all that sort of stuff. He just, uh, let's go. Let's pick it up and go on from here. Verse 25. We did all that really to get down here to verse 25. Now his older son was in the field. And he came and drew near to the house. He heard music and dancing. So where was the son? He's in the field. What do you do in the field? It's working. So all this stuff is going on. They've killed the fatted calf. They've made the fatted calf into meat. They've set up the party. They've got the music that came on in. 
They got the robe stuff taken care of. They made all these arrangements and got the party going. Had the party going so the music was playing. People are dancing and having a good time because the sun's home. They're all celebrating. And by that time, then the sun comes in, which means the sun was out there in the field for a while. He was working a long time. And this isn't any un- unusual day. This is just a normal day. So the sun, the, whole, the older son, the whole time the younger son was out partying, the older son is in the field working. Now, if you are the older son and you're out there working and the younger son had taken all the half the stuff and had run off, that affects what's left behind, doesn't it? How many of you, if you're the older son, are sitting out there in the field having good thoughts about the younger son? Father God, I just thank you that you bless him wherever it is he goes. That he just uh, comes into abundant prosperity and that uh, he continues to find you and hear about you. How many of you are doing that if you're the older son? Or how many of you get the picture that's what the older son is doing? I don't get that picture. I see the older son out there in the field. I used to have help doing this out here. Now I'm out here by myself. I got to not only plow the fields I had to plow, I got to plow the fields that he had to plow. Maybe he took care of some of the equipment. I got to get in there and take care of the equipment. And I got to do this other stuff too. So his day just got longer. And he's coming in after a long day. Because these days have been longer since the other son had left. Because he's the older son. And it's all falling down upon him. He's got some servants, but nobody takes care of it like a son. This is your stuff. And he was out there working. And he comes on back and he hears all this stuff, party going on. How would you like it if you were working that hard at the farm and you come back and there's a party going on? Why wasn't I told? I could have been here sooner, enjoying the party, enjoying the fun. And he pulls over a servant and it's probably nothing more significant than pulling over the servant and then he can't find the dad. Where's the dad? In the party with the son. The younger son. So he finds the servant and says, what's going on? What's the party for? And he's probably not upset about the party yet. He's probably okay. But well, there's a party. What's, what's the occasion? Did somebody come? Yes. And look what the servant says. So he called one of his servants and asked what these things meant. Verse 27, he said to him, Your brother has come and became... And because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. Now, he may have been expecting all kinds of things. You know, maybe the mayor came. Maybe the governor came. Maybe somebody high up came to the party. Maybe one of the priests or you know, somebody high up. My brother? The one who took all the stuff and left? That brother? Yeah, that one. He came back with nothing and the father came one out there and he got the best robe and he put it on him and he put one of his best rings on his finger and he went out there and killed the fatted calf and called all these folks in so we have this big party for him because he came back. Now all of a sudden that the son had joy about coming back to a party, he is now, he's upset. Is the brother thankful? No. But when you come right down to it, what does the brother possess? The older brother. What does he possess? Everything. All that the father has is his. Now he may be aware of that and be thinking, that's my robe. That's my ring. That's my fatted calf. That's my party. Because all that he has is mine. And what's he doing giving part of mine to the younger son. The younger son already took all that was his. Went off with it. That's my, that's my stuff. He might be thinking stuff like that. I know if I, I'd be thinking that if I was the older son and I was in his shoes. That's my stuff. What do you mean gave him a ring? That's my ring. What do you mean gave him a robe? That's my robe. What do you mean gave him a fatted calf? It's my fatted calf. Verse 28. But he was angry. And would not go in. Now this is pretty bad. The son had no, the younger son had no place to go before and came on home. Now he's inside. And the older son, who has everything, won't come inside. He's gonna stay out. (laughs) Does that make sense? It's his house. Why would you want to stay out? I'm sure he's been working hard, probably wants to go in and get a shower. He cleaned up, get something to eat. He's probably hungry. But now he is so mad, he's not even hungry. Not even going to win, go in and eat any of that fatted calf. I don't even want to have anything to drink. 
I don't even care if I get a shower. I'm staying out here. He's pouting. Throwing a temper tantrum and he's sitting in there and he's pouting. This isn't good. I don't like this. And now, of course, when he's out there pouting, he's not in the... He's not out there pouting thinking all kinds of good thoughts. Boy, I love my dad. I have the greatest dad. Boy, I just enjoy all the things I have at the house. Look at this big farm. This whole big farm. This is my farm. He's not thinking those things, is he? What's he thinking? Why is my brother inside? He's thinking nasty stuff. He's thinking things that aren't so good. And sometimes we have been drawn, even though we could be thinking good things, we have been drawn to a place where we're not thinking such good things anymore, aren't we? Things have gone on. We could be thinking better things than we are, but we're not. There's a story of a man who was in the hospital. He's laying there in his hospital's bed and said to his wife, he said, you have been with me through everything. So I think back on it, all the trouble that has come upon me. He said, when I made that bad investment, lost my shirt, you stood by me. When I had the car accident, you were the one who there and stood there and took care of me. When I got fired, it was you who was there right there with me. In fact, through all the trouble I've had through my entire life, you have always been there with me. He said, I believe my friends are saying now, I think you're bad luck. <laughs> <laughs> can't you look at, at one thing one way and then turn around and look at another no that wife was faithful that wife was helpful but we can do sometimes the same thing that this older son is doing is we can be so mad even though so much belongs to us even though things really aren't that bad it seems like it's terrible and this older son is so upset because the younger son is home now whereas the father is thrilled father is thrilled. What's happened to the older son? Now, he probably wasn't the most thankful person before. He's probably grumbling some because the younger son had left. That is a possibility. But we know at this point, he's grumbling. He is upset. He is not liking the fact that this younger son is there. And he's probably muttering all kinds of things under his breath. And so the servant obviously came on back inside and talked to the dad. The other son came in from the field. Oh, where is he? He's got to be in here enjoying this. Well, he didn't want to come in. What do you mean he didn't want to come in? Well, I told him, you know, about the fatted calf and about the son coming home, about the robe and the ring. And he got all upset. He's out there. He won't come inside. So what's the father do? Well, I just wait here for him to come in. He goes out. Talk to the, to the uh, son. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. Come on inside. You've been working all day. Come on inside. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I have never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. So he's saying, not only did you not give me a fatted calf, you didn't even give me a small little tiny goat. A young goat. Not alone a fatted calf. You didn't even give me that. You didn't even give me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. Now, notice the servant said about him, he says, your brother. How does the father identify him? My son. How does the brother identify him? Your son. That happens to be your brother. <laughs> but right now, he's not looking at him as my brother. He's looking at him as your son. In other words, I have cut off any relationship to this man. He is dead to me. He's your son. He's not my brother. He is your son. I mean, if you were going to address your parents about a sibling, wouldn't you say, my sister, my brother? Oh, I understand that parents sometimes address their kids. That son of yours. <laughs> Stuff like that. But uh, generally, the, the siblings refer to each other as brothers and sisters. But not this time. He has severed all ties to this guy. Because he is, he is grumbling. He is unthankful. He does not want any relationship to the son. And he's mad with the father. Because he has splurged on the son. And truthfully, even though everything is still the father's, 
the father is using what belongs to the older son in order to bless the younger son. And he don't like it. He's not happy with this. Lo, these many years I have been serving you. See, the unthankful people immediately go into what they deserve. Oh, I, sh- I should have this. Look at what I've done. Look at how friendly I've been. Look at how faithful I've been. I should get more than this. Unthankful people are always looking at what I didn't get. How many people do you know that are lonely? Nobody ever calls me. I've been up here for a couple of weeks. No one ever calls me. How many people have you called? Nobody ever visits me. How many people do you visit? Nobody ever invites me out to eat with them. How many people you invited out? See, I'm thankful people. They, they just, I deserve this. This should happen for me. Don't get into that mentality. Don't begin to think that. And if you are out there inviting other people, calling other people, helping other people, don't ever start taking count of it. Because as soon as you start taking count, then you begin to get in that ungrateful part, that unthankful part that says, look what I deserve. We talked about that before. I should get more than this. This should be coming to me. Don't, don't let that happen. Be thankful not half the time. Be thankful not three quarters of the time. Be thankful how much? All the time. We have to always maintain this attitude of thankfulness. Father God, I am so thankful that I have had things that I could share with other people. If no one else ever shares anything with me, that's fine. I am so thankful that I have something to share with other people. I am so thankful that I've been able to talk with other people and help people out of their problems. I don't care if no one else ever comes to me and, and helps me out of any of mine. I am just so thankful that you have put word, the Word of God in me, that you have put wisdom in, in me, that I can go out there and I can share this with other people. Thank you, God. Just be thankful. And never sit back and start taking account. Well, other people haven't done this. As soon as you do that, as soon as you go into that, someone hasn't done something for you, you're going to fall into the same thing that you have pronounced against Adam and Eve. Has God really said? Don't you think that you should be deserving of eating all of the trees? Why does he think that God is keeping one of the trees from you? I mean, look, you're out here in the garden, you're taking care of the garden all this time. How is it that you can't eat of this tree? You deserve to eat of this tree. God knows that what this tree has, He doesn't want you to have. He's keeping you from it. Get into that ungrateful, unthankful area that'll pull you out of faith, that'll pull you into doubt, pull you into unbelief, pull you out of love. You have all kinds of problems. If we do not understand the, the importance of staying thankful all the time, all the time, always be thankful for your spouse. Always be thankful for your kids. Always be thankful for your church family. Always be thankful for your job. Always be thankful for your friend. Friends. Probably have more than one. Always be thankful for your car. Always be thankful for your house. Don't ever get into the place that, oh, this old house. Oh, I hate this house. Oh, I hate this car. Boy, I hate this job. Boy, I hate the, the way that my neighbors are. Oh, I hate... Don't go. Don't get into that. Because that's not a thankful person. Thankful person is there. Father God, I thank you for the neighborhood that I'm in. I thank you that I can be a light into this neighborhood. I thank you for the neighbors that I have. I thank you for what I can share with them. I'll just always be thankful. Don't ever get into that place where we become unthankful. If people have rejected you, there is a way to handle it. But don't become unthankful. People have, how many have been rejected by people? Jesus even taught the disciples, if you go into a city and they reject you, do this. But he didn't say become unthankful. Go and complain to God. He just said do this and go on to the next city. Alright, y'all don't want it? Fine, we'll go over here. And don't give them another thought. Be done with them. Go on over here. Let somebody else, someone over here, they're going to receive you. If you got friends and they all of a sudden stop receiving from you, stop, don't get into that mentality that says, oh, they shouldn't be treating me this way. It shouldn't be this way. It should be better. It should be like this. It should be like... Don't do that. Just say, all right, you don't want to be my friend anymore? That's fine. I appreciate the time we've had to be friends. I'll go over here and find some other ones. Go over there and find some other ones. Don't get unthankful. Don't get ungrateful. Don't get into that grumbling and, and griping mode. Don't get into that depression. 
that what's owed to you, that's not going to help you. That's, the devil loves that because once he does that, he can sow all sorts of stuff into you and you'll receive it too. No matter how strong you are, Elijah received it. How much more would we? Look how deserving I am. Mm, God should be doing this for me. Son's out there pouting. How come the father didn't do this for me? How come he didn't kill the fatty cat for me? Why did you do all that stuff for him? What are the words of the son? These aren't thankful words, are they? Our words identify us. They will tell you. Just listen to your own words sometimes. You'll find out how thankful you really are. What do you say about your job? Oh, that crummy thing. <laughs> Barely make enough out of that to you know, buy lunch. <laughs> now, don't be talking that way about your job. You can still want a better job than the one you have. You can always look forward to that. But thank God for the one that you got. Father God, I thank you for the things you've done through my job. I thank you for the people I've ministered to. I thank you for the help that has been. Glory to God. Stay in that mode of being thankful. Doesn't mean you don't recognize when, when people don't re receive you. Word of God tells us some things about that. But always stay thankful. Don't get into that grumbling mode. This son got here got into the grumbling mode. Verse uh, 30. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost and is found. It's right. We should do this. And we should be glad about it. If we get into a place where we see a Christian who wandered away and came on back and God blessed them, and I think, oh, I've been wanting a blessing like that for all my days serving God. And I've served God all these. I've never wandered off. I've studied the Word. I've ministered to people. I've helped people. And now this one wanders off from God, comes on back, and they get healed. And they get blessed. And we get upset. How many of you have ever been upset? Or at least tempted to get upset at that? Look at what I've done. What are we doing? We're falling into that mode of what I deserve. If you get into that mode of what you deserve, you are not a thankful person. You're not a grateful person. Remember, grace comes to those who do not deserve it. Right? If we deserve it, it's not grace. It's payday. Your paycheck at the end of the week, end of the month, whenever it is they pay you, your paycheck is not grace, is it? It is works. You work for it. And then you got it. We went over that uh, some weeks ago. You know, Most of us will get handed a paycheck. We say, thank you. You know how I go off and make a bunk bed for someone and, uh, and work all those days and make the bunk bed, bring it on over and set it on up and they give me a check. You know what I say? Thank you. But I worked for it. <laughs> I earned it. I wouldn't just uh, leave without getting it, would you? We have that, we have that mentality of, of earning some things. But grace is not that way. What we have from God is a grace gift. I don't deserve anything from God. And I've always got to keep that mindset. Father, I don't deserve a thing. I mean, as far as what all belongs to you, all this belongs to you and you're giving it to me, I just was born your son. I, I was just born your I didn't do anything. I just was born your son. Thank you for all that I have. If I get $10, thank you. Thank you. And just stay grateful. Just stay in that area of grace. But you see, we're saved through grace. So much of what the God, God does is through grace that if the devil can get us out of grace and into a place where I earned it, I deserve it, it should come to me. Oh, he can cut us off. He can cut us off. And we talked about that for some, some weeks. About humility and pride. Grateful thankful people are humble people. You don't have to try and be humble. If you are a grateful, thankful person, you will be humble. Because that's part of being, being humble is being grateful and being thankful and understanding that this comes from God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. That's how we got to be. We got to stay in that, that mode. Stay in that area. Unthankful people focus on value and judgment. Unthankful people focus on value 
and judgment. What is what? What is the value of what I have done? What is the value to God for all these years of service I have put in? What is the value to God for all the times I've studied His Word and prayed and done these different things? What is the value to God? I should get that value back. Unthankful people focus on value and judgment. How much is what I've done worth and how much judgment should other people get who don't do what I've been doing? Thankful people can focus on grace and mercy. Oh, Father God, I thank You for Your grace. I thank You for the mercy that I've received. And I'm just going to focus on putting that mercy out on other, other folks. Remember we looked at the, the uh, parable of the servant who was forgiven much and he wouldn't forgive someone else, would he? Totally kept somebody from being forgiven. Uh, he's going to not forgive him for just a little tiny thing. No, don't be doing that. Thankful people focus on grace. Thankful people focus on mercy. I want to extend mercy. I want to look at when mercy goes out. When God extends mercy on someone, I say, Oh, glory to God. Oh, that's so neat. God was merciful in that person. And we rejoice over it. We're glad. That's a thankful person. An unthankful person says, Wait a minute, wait a minute. How come I didn't get in on that? That's an unthankful person, just like this son was. As we said, our words identify us. The lost son was identified by the father as a son who was dead. He was identified by the servant as your, your brother. The servant called the older brother, said to the older brother, your brother has returned. The older brother identified him as this son of yours. Cut off all ties. Unthankful people blame and expect. Unthankful people that go around, they blame people for why they don't have what they have. They expect this and they expect that. And they blame folks. Well, so-and-so didn't do this. And so-and-so should have done that. And I should have had this going on. And I expected that this would have happened too. That is an unthankful person. But thankful people receive and rejoice. They receive and rejoice. They receive from God and they rejoice when other people receive from God. They're just always receiving and rejoicing. Receiving and rejoicing. I'm not trying to earn and deserve. I'm receiving and rejoicing. I'm flowing in the grace of God and I'm rejoicing because of the mercy I've received and extending mercy to other people. Just constantly walking on like that. Put this last one in here for you. Thankful people see opportunity where others see unfair obligations. Thankful people see opportunity where others see unfair obligations. The older son. You want me to go in there? He didn't see that as an opportunity, did he? The father saw it as an opportunity. This is an opportunity. The son who was dead, he's now alive. But the Older son didn't see that. He didn't see the opportunity. He saw this as, this is unfair. You are going to want me to come in and be part of this unfair treatment of this son who squandered away all your wealth and left me with all the work. No, this isn't fair. This isn't fair. That'll tell you where you are in your walk. Are you an unthankful ungrateful person is that your walk is that your lifestyle or are you a thankful and grateful person God wants us to be thankful and great all the time all the time always be thankful always be grateful when I was going through school you know if you go through college if you're going to be a Bible major you have to get you have to get your, most of your credits in sociologies philosophies and psychologies not on what you're rough on, but there was a few fun psychologies. But I understood from psychology that basically what they want you to do is to focus on where your problem, where the blame for all your problems lies. Very seldom does psychology get you into solving your problem by just realizing, well, that, that happened or that went on or uh, pick it up and go. So I didn't really like psychology. And of course, all the people in psychologists, you know, they're in the movies and stuff. What do you feel? What does that make you think? How do you feel about that? Like, oh, that's important. And, you know, they're going to find somebody in your life to blame. And, of course, you know, it's all my dad's fault. It's all my mom's fault. It's all Aunt Sophie's fault. Or it's all somebody else's fault. There's always somebody else that you can blame. And that's just ridiculous. Unthankful, ungrateful people find others to blame. And God is not into that. Stop blaming other people for what's going on in your life. Stop blaming your boss. Stop blaming your job. Stop blaming your house. Stop blaming your car. 
Stop blaming your friends. Stop blaming the things that are around you and just say, Father God, I thank you for what I have. Look at what I've got. Oh, I have been so blessed. Things are so good. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I thank you for the good things that are going on around me. I mean, we can we know that in this country there's some nasty things going on and some stuff we just don't like happening that's on Capitol Hill and with Congress and all the stuff that they're trying to pass and impose upon us and not all of us like all the different things that are going on there, right? But hey, we could be in Haiti. They could, we could make buildings that don't hold up to earthquakes. You know, if a, if a 7.0 earthquake hit our country, you know what happened? What was that? Oh, it kind of shook a little bit, didn't it? Our buildings are able to withstand that, especially the ones that are in the earthquake zone. They don't fall down. If you have a 7.0 earthquake in California, things don't fall. They need like an 8, 8.5 and stuff like that. They need a strong one. But over in Haiti, you get a 7.0 earthquake and buildings come tumbling down and kill people and all sorts of bad stuff happens. And as we told you, if you all want to give to that, and it's a good thing to give to folks that are out there, help them on out. You can just uh, write that in your offering envelope and every Monday we're just going to send that on off to organizations. I understand the government is encouraging you to give to, the, to them or to uh, some other ones. Well, I give to the government to give to them. We know the, how efficient they are with money. I'd rather give to organizations that are efficient. You know, Compassion International is extremely efficient in the money that they get out there. Well, we'll give it to them. World Vision, I know there's some places you can go out there. World Vision, they've been a good place to go. Uh, Given to these places and help them one out. But thank God that you were born in the United States. We can thank God for the glory to God. Father God, I thank you. I was born in the United States, not in the Soviet Union. Not in places uh, out there like that had gone through all, such oppression. Thank you, Father God. If you were in the Soviet Union, you could be thankful for other things. <laughs> but always be thankful. Be, be, don't be looking at your situation, how bad it is. Thank God that if you don't like your job, you can go get a new one. Just be thankful. Father, I thank you that we can we, we can go to the grocery store and there's food. If we don't want to cook, we can go out to the Chick-fil-A. And they'll make it for us. We can go over to the McDonald's and get something off the dollar menu. Oh, man. Dollar for a burger. It's great. Not the best burger in the world, but... <laughs> You can go out there and you can do it. Just be grateful. Just all the time we ought to just go before God and say, Father God, I thank you. Look at the things you have blessed me with. Uh, see, the Satan wants to get in there. He wants you to become ungrateful for your spouse. He wants to say all the different things that they should do, shouldn't do, that they have done. No, don't do that. Think, sit there. Thank you, Father God. I thank you for the spouse that you gave me. I thank you for the good things that are there with my children. Just thank them for the things that you have. Don't pick on, pick on it. Don't put it down. Always be thankful. Enter into his gates with? Into his courts with? That's how we need to come before God. We are to give thanks always into him, to him. Not partially, not some of the time, but always. Colossians 3 verse 15 says, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. That's how we are supposed to be. We are to be thankful people. And I love these verses. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 57. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks now, victory later. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Victory is coming, but thanks be to God now. 2 Corinthians 2, verse 14. Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of His knowledge in every place. Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph. Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph. How often do the words that we speak not believe this scripture? Oh God, I'm going down. Oh, we're sinking. Oh, it's the water's coming into the boat. <laughs> How are we going to feed all these people? Right? We've been in situations like that too. But now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph, who always gives us the victory. Just keep thanking God. And when the situations come around in your life and they begin to make you think, oh, I have a reason to not give thanks. Look at how bad things are. Don't, don't swallow it. Stand up and say, Father God, I thank you. For this truly is a blessing. 
I look at how you brought this into my life. I look at how you brought me to this job. I look at how you brought my wife and I together, my husband and I together. I look at how you led me into this area. I look at how you did all these different things. Thank you, Father God. Oh, it is so good to serve you. You are such a great God. And just keep going through life, always giving thanks. We're going to be ending these series here today, but I hope that you will continue to mutter over these things and speak things like this to yourself to get yourself into a place of thanksgiving. Always give thanks unto God. Don't get into a place of grumbling, murmuring, complaining. Father God, I don't deserve that. I deserve better. That shouldn't come upon me. Now, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph. Always leads us in triumph. We can just go before God and say, Father God, it doesn't look like I'm leading into triumph. But thanks be to God who always leads me in triumph. I thank you that triumph is on the horizon. Triumph is ahead of me. Thank you, Father God. Would you all stand up with me? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the help that you give us. We thank you for the wisdom that we have that comes from you. All things that we have here in this, this life, Father, come from you. I thank you for the way that you have opened up our eyes to understand your word. We understand so much of your word. Oh, we're so grateful for it. We know that there's so much more to understand too. But oh, thank you for the knowledge. Thank you for the wisdom that we have up to this point. All the things you brought us to. We are so grateful to have the understanding of your word that we do. It's changed our life. It's changed our outlook on the future. We thank you for it. We want to always be those who give thanks to you. Father, we praise and glorify you and give you thanks for you help us out of every situation and lead us in the triumph. So we always give you thanks and always give you praise. Glory be to your name. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Glory to God. I hope you understand. I hope this series has been a good one for you. You can understand how important being grateful to God, having that grateful mentality. That mentality says, Father God, I just give you thanks. Hallelujah. We'll be getting into some other things here next week.